Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Hey, if we haven't met yet, my name is Dan. I'm one of the lead pastors here. And it's just fun to be with you guys here on this warm February day. You guys going to spend some time outside today? Maybe a little bit? Um, I'm planning to. Maybe do some Frisbee golfing. Yeah, here it up for Frisbee golfing. Woo! No, okay. Um, well, hey, um, today we are continuing our series called Fulfilled. And uh, I've got a question for you. Have you ever been in a conflict on the way to church. Like you're in the car, you're about to leave, and you're like in the middle of a conflict. I know I have. I, I remember when I was a kid, this is when I was a kid. I, it's happened when I'm an adult too, but when I was a kid, we'd go to church every Sunday, and I remember a couple times, just like two times in my life, where my parents like turned the car around, which meant not only did I miss out on fun kids' church, but the biggest thing as a six-year-old, I was like, we don't get donuts after church. No, that was my biggest thing. Um, of course, we know that uh, conflict isn't just a going to church thing. It seems like it's waiting for us around every corner. Like the person at work that uh, just can't seem to follow procedure. And then there's the person at work that's just a, such a stickler for procedure that they got to have everything right. There's the kids that just won't behave, the spouse that just won't behave, the neighbor who does those annoying neighbor things that we just can't seem to get over, or your friend that doesn't seem to care about your relationship as much as you do. Or how about this? The ill-advised post on Facebook. Has anybody ever made like a post on Facebook? They're like, ah, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Anybody? Come on, make me not feel alone. Some of you, yes, good, okay, I know who my friends are now, thank you. Um, we've all got that. Conflict is a regular part of our normal lives. And if you don't have conflict, then maybe check your pulse and make sure that you're alive, because we've all got it. And today we're going to see how conflict is an opportunity for us. Conflict is an opportunity to pursue a fulfilling life guided by the good and kind and beautiful God. So we're in this message series called Fulfilled right now, where we're rediscovering the good and beautiful and kind God and how in him we can have a fulfilled life with his goodness and his beauty and his kindness kind of blanketing our life. In this message series, we are doing it in three sections, and today we're entering into section three. That first section was kind of what's gone wrong. We have a fractured world. What's gone wrong? We looked at that. And then we looked at walking a better way, kind of the things that we can do, the things that we do to receive God's love, how we can, we've already received it, but how we can experience it and be aware of his love. That was the second three weeks. And now we're entering the last three weeks, which is embodying wholeness. And that's just giving God's love away. So we've received God's love, and now we're just going to give it away. Now, if you haven't been here for the first two sections, don't worry about it. Like, this is still relevant for you. Um, it'll still make sense. Of course, you guys can go back and listen to the podcast. You can search Life Vineyard. Wherever you get your podcast, you can go listen to previous messages. Now, our scriptures, they thankfully give us a lot of wisdom on how to handle conflict. They have uh, lots of stories about uh, people who have had conflict and how they handle it well, but 
more often the case is we have these stories in the Bible of people that handle conflict not so well. And I'm glad that we don't have a book full of unrelatable people that just always get it right every time, right? Even the heroes of the Bible get it wrong a lot of the time. And when they get it wrong, it's a good reminder that the Bible isn't about uh, our religious pursuit of God, but instead the message, the main message of the Bible is his pursuit to, uh, of us. So no matter how bad we mess things up, his love for us remains. And we have example of example of example in the Bible to read from that. And then we also have these examples of uh, people to people, how they have conflict and how they can resolve it and how they look to God. So we're going to look at one of those examples today. In this case, <clears throat> we're given an example of a conflict between two powerhouses of the early church, Peter and Paul. St. Peter and St. Paul. These guys had conflict, and they were in the church. So let me read this. This is from Galatians 2, 11 through 13. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had, this is Paul talking, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with Gentile believers who were not circumcised who were not circumcised. That's not the wrong part. But afterwards, when some friends of, Peter, of James came, Peter would not eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So Peter was hanging out with non-Jew Christians, non-Jewish Christians, and then some people came and said, you probably shouldn't hang out with those people. And he said, yeah, you're right, I shouldn't do that. And that's where the conflict arises. Before we dive deeper into the story, I need you to know the three stages of relationships. Every kind of relationship has them. Uh, you'll experience them in your relationship with your coworkers, with people at church, with your spouse, with your neighbors. Wherever you have relationships, you're going to have these three stages. The first stage is the honeymoon stage. The honeymoon stage. This is the one where everything is just amazing, right? Your new church is the best. The pastors, they're amazing. Your new boyfriend, he's an angel straight from heaven. And your new neighbor, he's putting in a new pool. And he said that when it's finished, he'll invite you over. It's, it's the best. Everything's great in the honeymoon stage. The second stage is the turmoil stage. Your new church isn't so new anymore, and it isn't so great anymore. That one pastor, he forgot your name that one Sunday. And uh, you go to your small group, and they're talking about maybe some things that you disagree with. You find out that they have values that you might not agree with. And worst of all, one of them is a Green Bay Packers fan. No. Mm -mm, get out of that small group. right now. I'm and maybe you discover your boyfriend from heaven has some habits that are as annoying as, well, not heaven. And, and don't nudge your partner on this one, but maybe some of you entered that turmoil stage on your honeymoon with your spouse. This turmoil phase is when it's easiest to see the flaws, easiest to see frustrations. Those frustrations are surfacing to the top and we're tempted to flee to pursue something better, like maybe I can just get back to that honeymoon stage. 
We want to cut off the relationship with the neighbor. We want to break up with the boyfriend. We want to go church shopping. But hang on. Hang on. Now, if this isn't a, uh, you know, an, an abusive relationship, spiritual, physical, emotional, hang on. If this is a regular kind of conflict kind of relationship, push through. Because if you push through, the third stage we'll call the radical middle. And this is where awesome stuff happens. And you begin to realize that m- maybe the honeymoon stage isn't all, that, uh, isn't all that real. And sure, maybe the pastor forgot your name. But the other pastor, her, her sermons are amazing and she's really caring. And uh, the people in your small group, they might have different values, but their primary value of following Jesus is really sincere. And their conversations are authentic and full of biblical love. And that boyfriend, well, maybe he really is great and you should give him some chances and lower your expectations or have conversations about those habits that you don't like. This is the stage in which we understand That the honeymoon stage, while super fun, isn't realistic. And it's always temporary. And we learn that if we can push through the turmoil stage, it, it may be unpleasant, but it leads to a mature, fulfilling relationship. It's in this stage where the fruit of the Spirit is best revealed. It's in the radical middle where God's goodness and his kindness and beauty are imparted from person to person with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So it's important to be aware of where you are in your relationships with people. Giving up on a relationship too soon simply because things are uncomfortable, it might cause you to miss out on deep, meaningful relationships that God has planned for you. Relationships that will lead you in personal and spiritual maturity. Now the relationship... between Paul and Peter, it's in this radical middle stage, the last stage. They've been doing ministry as peers uh, for a while now. And when I consider the stages of the relationship, I even wonder, like, maybe they just missed altogether the honeymoon stage and they had to go right into the turmoil stage because Paul was an enemy of Peter in a very real sense. Like, Paul was trying, if he could have, he would have killed Peter, literally. Um, He killed Peter's friends. And, and Paul's main purpose in life at that time was to get rid of Christianity. He hated Christians. He hated Christianity. And it wasn't until Jesus radically encountered Paul that Paul had this change of heart and said, actually, you know what? This Jesus movement that's happening is real. I've experienced it, and I want to be a part of it. And so then Paul tried to become friends with Peter and the other disciples. You can read all about this in Acts 9 if you want. He tried to become friends with Peter and the other disciples, and you know what they said? They said, no. They said, no, don't come near us. Like, we we don't think you're authentic. We don't believe that what is happening is real. And it could have ended there. It could have just ended right there with them saying no to Paul. They could have easily just said, all right, Paul, we guess you're a Christian, but you can't hang out with us. You can't learn from us. You can't do ministry with us. Just stop persecuting us and that'll be enough. It really could have ended just like that, so easily. And we wouldn't have Paul planting all of these churches or writing all of these letters that make up a lot of our scripture. But thankfully, there's this guy named Barnabas that was willing to push through the turmoil with Paul right then and there. He took him under his wing. He reintroduced them to the other disciples. 
He stood up for him in front of Peter and Peter's closest friends, and he learned ministry from them. If not Peter directly, then from Peter's inner circle. It doesn't say exactly. But this isn't the first conflict, and this won't be their last between Peter and Paul. We don't have a record of all of their conflicts. That's not what this particular scripture is really trying to tell us. But I wanted to show you this scripture to tell you this. I want to show you that conflict, even in the church, is 100% normal. Conflict in the church is normal. Sometimes we get this idea that there should only be peace between people in the church. There should only be peace. And yes, there are verses that tell us to, to have peace as our goal and to look for peace. But that's with the understanding that conflict comes as well. So we should have a goal of peace. But if we're in community, as Jesus calls us to be, we're going to sin against each other. We're going to wrong each other. We're going to find annoyances with each other. And so Peter <clears throat> is the guy that Jesus said, on you, Peter, I'm going to build my church. And then Paul is the guy that wrote all these letters and um, was another powerhouse. He, he championed declaring that Jesus wasn't just for Jews, but that he was for the whole world, that he was for everybody, that his love was for everyone. And so if the pillars of the faith, like the pillars, Peter and Paul, St. Peter and St. Paul had disagreements and conflict, then friends, so surely will we. So just to be ultra clear, Today's message is not in response to any conflict. So if you're sitting there with your spouse or someone else, and you're like, oh, no, he knows. He knows about the, the, the fight we had on the way to church today. How did he know that? It's not special revelation from the Lord. This has been planned. This sermon has been planned for eight weeks. <clears throat> it's just coincidence or Jesus planning something in your life. Um, and this message comes at a really, I think, opportune time because we're growing as a church. <clears throat> Can I share something with you guys? Last week, with 86 people in the building, we set a new attendance record here at Life. <clears throat> yeah, that's worth cheering for. I, I think that's really exciting. Um, that's, that's more people than we had in the church on Christmas, like less than 60 days ago in just, you know, a random day in February. Now, every church will tell you, and I agree, it's not about the numbers, but dang it, I'm really excited. Like, I really am. It's, it's really cool to see that people are coming here and experiencing the presence of God. And I tell you that, yes, to celebrate. It really is exciting. But it also means that only half of you, only half of our church was here just a year ago. And so that means two things. One, there are twice as many people to have conflict with. No cheers for that one? Not Okay, that's fine. Uh, so twice as many people to have friends and to be in conflict with. And so before we grow anymore, while we're still a small church, let's like talk about a baseline for how we handle conflict as a church. And the second thing is, with all this recent growth, is that about half of us could still be in the honeymoon stage. And that's great. It's blissful. It's a blissful time. I'm not telling you to try and get out of it. Stay in the honeymoon phase as long as you can. It's great. But be aware, you stick around long enough, and you will find some conflict. Again, that's okay. That's normal. Push through that turmoil stage and enter into the radical middle stage where the greatest values of relationships are formed. 
Consider your deepest relationships that you have in your life. Like picture that person or that family or whoever it is that's in your life. They aren't that way because you had only good times together. You've been through some stuff together. You've struggled together. And you pushed through it. And you came out on the other side with a mature and fruitful and fulfilling relationship. So how do we push through the turmoil stage? Or how do we handle conflict? So if you're taking notes, first, first thing, conflict is normal. The church is no exception. And two, conflict creates opportunity for us. It's an opportunity to grow spiritually. It's an opportunity to develop meaningful and fulfilling relationships. But to receive those benefits of a fulfilling relationship we have to confront the conflicts. We can't just run away from them. It's easy to avoid conflict. Avoid that coworker. Don't acknowledge the neighbor's presence when they're out mowing. Change churches so you don't have to go to church with a Green Bay Packer fan. But as Christians, we're called to consciously go down the difficult road of mending things that are broken, including relationships. Here's what Jesus has to say about mending relationships. This is Matthew 18, 15. He says, if a believer hurts you, go and tell him. We'll just stop there. Go and tell him. If a believer hurts you, if your brother in Christ hurts you, if a person in the church hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. As Jesus followers, we're called to be conflict confronters. And Jesus, and if you look at what Jesus says, there's like this opportunity for friendship after the conflict. There's something, there's an opportunity for something fulfilling out of something that's broken. I had a fortuitous opportunity a few days ago. It was an opportunity for a free car wash. Who wants a free car wash? Do you guys want a free car wash? If you want a free car wash, raise your hands. Do you want a free car wash? Yeah, everybody's hands up. You guys want to know how to get the free car wash? I will tell you. Download the Life Vineyard app on the App Store and join a small... I'm just kidding. That's not true. Um, here's how you really get it. Download the Circle K Car Wash app. Has anybody done that yet? It's a Circle K Car Wash app, and when you download the app, they give you a free car wash, just like that. It's easy. Um, it's a specific app, the Circle K car wash app, and you just download it. You'll get it for your car, free car wash. Go get it today. It'll be great. Now, you now have an opportunity to have something good in your life. You have the opportunity for a car wash. An opportunity is not a gift. It's a little bit different. It, with an opportunity, you have to do something. You have to kind of take a risk or do something to receive the fulfillment of what's on the other side. To get this car wash, you got to download the app. Uh, you got to drive over to the car wash, get in your car. They don't build the car wash around you. You got to go to it. You got to wait in a line, like a, day, a nice day like today. I waited like 15 minutes for mine. And uh, then you get in the car wash and you have it. Now, is it worth it? Absolutely, it's worth it for a free car wash. And in the same way, conflict is this opportunity. You have to go down the difficult path. Of, resol of, revol of resolving the conflict to receive the fulfillment of what's on the other side, which is spiritual growth 
fulfilling relationships, and so many other things. So, conflict is normal. Conflict creates opportunity, and the opportunity is not to be avoided. So how do we address conflict? Jesus tells us we go face to face. Uh, And just as Jesus did, we, we look at Peter and we look at Paul, and we see their conflict. Paul went to him face to face to talk about this. At a bare minimum, I'll tell you this, a phone call could suffice. But these, these conflicts aren't solved on Twitter or through text messages. They're solved through live conversation with each other. I won't go too deeply into that, but I just want to tell you that, that it, that's not a place to handle our conflicts. I mean, you see conflicts between celebrities on Twitter or wherever else. They don't belong there. For us, as Jesus followers, they belong in person, face-to-face. Bare minimum, phone call. One of the purposes of this series is to internalize the love of God. We want to be fulfilled by the love of God, and then we are able to give it away. The middle part of this message series explained how we receive the love of God, where now in the, and now we're in the giving part. So now we've received it, and now we're going to give it away. So the conflict... In conflict, how can we give away the love of God? We can. Did you know that? Like, even in conflict, we can give away the love of God. There's a kind of famous chapter in the Bible called the love chapter. Anybody know which one is the love chapter in the Bible? Can anybody guess it? Yeah, 1 Corinthians 13. You guys got it. So sometimes it's read at weddings. Maybe it was read at your own wedding. It's a great love chapter. But it also, like its purpose for being written was just how we have love between each other, not just uh, between spouses. And so it's a great thing to read if you're married. But it's also a great thing to read if you're in conflict. So check this out. This is 1 Corinthians. I won't read the whole chapter, just this one verse for you. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud, or rude. Now, all the things mentioned here in the whole chapter are great to keep in mind for every situation. But I want to pull out just four words that I think are especially helpful for conflict. I want to pull out love is patient, kind, it's not proud, and it's not rude. Four. I I know the love's in there. I guess we'll say four and a half. Um, So love is patient and kind. It's not proud or rude. Resolving conflict requires patient and kind speaking. That is not proud or rude. Patient and kind speaking. That is not proud or rude. It also requires patient and kind listening. That is not proud or rude. Here's what James has to say. James 1:19. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Listening and speaking in these ways as we're dealing with conflict face to face with other people must be at the forefront of our minds. 
If we want to resolve disagreements in ways that actually bring God's love to each other, if you are giving and or receiving love from someone in the midst of conflict with them, your relationship, it has the opportunity to grow into something, grow into a place of trust and maturity. Your relationship enters this radical middle stage where God will use it to bring fulfillment to your life. Even in conflict, we can experience God's love, his kindness, his goodness, and his beauty through other people. So, conflict is normal. Conflict isn't something that we should avoid because it creates opportunity. It's an opportunity to impart God's love and develop meaningful relationships. And what should our heart attitude be in conflict? In confronting conflict, we are called to have loving ears and loving speech in a way that we impart God's love to each other. And those, when you, when you can give away God's love in the middle of conflict, think about what that does to a relationship. It takes it to a new space where you can say, okay, this is the, maybe if it's just a friendship, a new friendship, you have this conflict, and you say, okay, this is the worst I've ever had with this person, yet I'm still receiving kindness from them. I'm still being listened to. I'm still receiving love from them. And that takes a relationship to a, a place of trust and maturity. <clears throat> so there's one final thing that we have to do in the midst of conflict, which is to forgive. We've got to forgive each other. And so I've asked Greg to come up here for the next 30 minutes to talk about uh, about forgiveness. But don't worry, it's not till next week. So we, he, won't, he won't do it today. So next week, we're going to talk, <laughs> talk about forgiveness. Are you ready? Is your message ready? <laughs> so we should go now. Uh, so next week, we're going to talk about what it looks like to forgive. Not just after conflict, although that's a huge part, but what it looks like to give away God's love in forgiveness because we've been forgiven. So let's take a moment as the worship band comes up, and let's, let's pray. Jesus, we're, we're, thankful that, um, we're thankful that you're a God that forgives. Like, we've already received that. So the Bible tells us that we have conflict with you because we've done things that are against you. And we thank you that um, you reach out to us, not with harshness, but with love and compassion, with kindness. So we thank you for your forgiveness. And we ask, God, that as we may be in conflict with others uh, in the past and now and in the future, that you would help us uh, to be people that give away your love, even in the midst of conflict. And that in that way, that we would be shining lights for you, that we would be the salt and the light of the earth when we handle conflict in the way that you desire, and that other people are going to see that and say, oh, what's, what's happening there? I want to be a part of that. So Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for this instruction on conflict from your scripture. We just look forward to how you're going to be working in our lives. Amen. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org.
oh, hey, you're still here. You're like one of my favorite people. The kind of person that like sticks around after church while everybody else has left. Like you're still one of the last ones talking. You're like the podcast version of that person. And while I have you here, uh, if you didn't know, this is Pastor Dan. Uh, while I have you here, I just want to say, hey, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to come to life if you're in the central Illinois area. If you're listening to this outside of central Illinois, go find a vineyard church. Vineyard churches are amazing places. Go find one near you. And if you're not near a vineyard church, then uh, just find a church, a community of believers that you can be involved with, be in community with. I think we are our best spiritual selves when we are in community with other people who are following Jesus. That's what the church is for. So we hope to see you here. And if not here, go find a community of believers that you can get involved with this week. All right. Thanks for listening. See you later.